The Friday GAA Podcast, with thanks to GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide. Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath, and surely give it in, Conor. What a goal! Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line. Team Mackie chance. still going. Boy, yeah, boy, yeah. Goal is that for Caps. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. It will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. I've been a look Donovan Okay, you're welcome along to this Friday's GAA podcast here on uh, Off the Ball. Hope you enjoyed the one we did about two weeks ago. Mm. We haven't been with you since, but we're going to make a habit of getting it to you every Friday. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. They are our GAA sponsors, and they're also proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Under-21 Hurling Championship. I'm joined, well, myself, Dave McIntyre, by Tommy. Hello, sir. Hey, Dave. And Owen. How are you doing? Good to have you along, boys. It's probably the busiest weekend of live GAA ever on News Talk, perhaps. Yeah. Certainly up there with the most busy that we've had over the last five, six years because we've got three live games over the course of the weekend. I'll be in Wexford Park tomorrow afternoon. That's Saturday afternoon at 3.30 throw-in for the All-Ireland Hurling Qualifier between Offaly and Wexford. We'll have Richie Power and Owen Kelly on commentary duty beside me in the commentary box. And then Sunday, we've got a double helping of pretty tasty football because we've got the Munster Football Championship final between Kerry and Tipperary and Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney. Oshin is going to be joined by James Horan and Daryl Kaneja and we'll have Tipperary legend Declan Brown on the sideline. We're going to cover that game in detail in a few minutes. And then we're going to hightail up the other end of the country to Clonus. St. Ternix Park is the venue for the Ulster semi-final replay between Tyrone and Cavan. And I'll be on commentary duty there beside Danny Hughes and Billy Joe Patton. So if That's you want it. to hear some decent live GAA, Absolutely. off the ball is the place to be this weekend. So where are we going to start, lads? It's difficult to know. We'll get through the football first, I think. There are a couple of qualifiers tomorrow. Sligo are playing. Leitrim. Leitrim, I mean... No, I can't like the fair. We won't go into it in too much detail, but I think everyone would expect Sligo to win the game, given how well they played in patches against Roscommon. Showed a bit of promise against Roscommon. Um, definitely gave them a scare. They rattled them earlier on. Uh, Niall Crew seems to always have a couple of aces up his sleeve. They have, a, they have some nice footballers, you know. Niall Murphy playing in midfield. Keane Brantley was, was injured. Was phenomenal against Roscommon. He was superb. I think Keane Brantley was injured. Him on a good bit Absolutely. I think the, in 2014 and 15 they were the last team to play in the football yeah. championship. 2016 they were the second, second last. To last team mm. to play in the football championship. Pat Hughes inside as well. Yeah, serious man. He can do serious damage in the qualifiers. Win plenty of ball. What about Armagh Leash? Uh, Armar, well, just firstly on on that Sligo point, um, just it's been something that's been talked about all week and certainly last week on um, like the Sunday game and stuff like that about this. A side of the qualifiers which is insanely easy and you'd imagine with Sligo there's this huge carrot of a last 12 perhaps even a last 8 spot because they're on that A side of the draw the one thing though the one disappointment is that the Connacht final isn't this weekend because I think the real asset test of this Sligo team is how Ross Common get on against yeah. Galway because that New York result is still in the back of the mind how good is this Ross Common team really their last league game they were torn apart in Croke Park I think there's been a lot of overrating done of this Ross Common team and I think the fact that Sligo pushed them so close 
I'm not sure how valid an argument that is right now until we actually see Ross Common come up against this Galway team uh, that put uh, that put Mayo aside. Um, of course, going on to, to Lee Sharma, uh, which was your question. Um, We're just trying to move these qualifiers out of the way before we get really stuck. Yeah, I don't want to get into Ross Common there. We'll, we'll get into that in a because I disagree with you, but go on. This Lee Sharma game is just so weird because... I, you would hear in uh, I don't know League One or League Two in in, uh, in English soccer. Uh, oh, we're missing a couple of players because they're on international duty. I've actually got confused this week because uh, <laughs> who, who was it speaking? Uh, McNulty was talking during the week saying, "Oh, our are going to be down a few men because we're at the Euros." And I'm like, "Hold on a minute! Do they have like some sort of uh, amazing players who are I don't know Northern Irish or uh, uh, the boys must be back at this stage? Um, they will be who back. Are they following the Belgians? Yeah." Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know who they're following, but they're certainly over there. And he's been talking about kind of the lack of, not even motivation, but just pure preparation. They've had a few injuries. Oh, they've been it's an absolute ball. Feeling of apathy at this stage. Absolutely. Like. I, you would, the, for one thing I would have thought about the Leash Armagh game is that Armagh can't possibly play as badly again. But actually, that's not the case with this Armagh team. They are capable of consistently turning in poor performance Absolutely. after poor performance. They played twice in the Championship last year. They were dreadful in both games. They've played twice in the Championship this year. Dreadful in both games. They've got relegated from Division 2 of the Allianz Football League. They're consistently underperforming. Well, are they underperforming? Maybe that's Maybe the question. Maybe the players aren't there. That this is our map football and the way place it is at the moment. Who's going to win it on? Uh, I would say Leash are going to do it again just by virtue of the defensive injuries that our map sustained since that day. Uh, but John O'Loughlin gets to play, does he? And he's back, yeah. <laughs> Which it's is so insane. weird. It's a, it's a refix game, it's a replay. What's the difference here? It's crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, just, so it's up there with the rules where a if you get sent off in normal time, you can go back on an extra oh, time. Stop. Like, none of this stuff makes sense. O'Loughlin to score the winner, I, I'd imagine. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, look, it's an interesting one. No, not least because of the backstory and the fact they have to do it all over again when they shouldn't do it. Let's hope that someone's got a calculator on the Leash backroom team and they don't screw the Absolutely. whole thing up this I, time around. I think Leash too, and we've Kieran McGinney on the show next Tuesday on a roadshow down in uh, our Santa Roadshow. So you have to feel for him, you know? Yeah. Maybe the best thing for him is for Armagh to just get out of here as quickly as possible and I don't know. maybe he gets another chance. Will Kieran McGinney be the manager by the time the roadshow rolls around on Tuesday evening? That's yeah, the question, that's, perhaps. That's, yeah. Okay, let's move on to maybe our first live game. We'll get, to, obviously, to Donegal Monaghan, which is taking place tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. But the first game we have is Sunday afternoon. Kerry Tipperary in the Munster Football Final. Um, Owen oh, Liam Curran saying this week that he has detected a sense of complacency blase. and a sense of blasé uh, among the Kerry folk ahead of this game. If he has detected that, why come out and talk about it in the press during the week? It's complete mind games. It really is. I actually cannot see any ounce of whatever the adjectival ver- version of blasé is. Blaséness is, is that a real word? <laughs> like this Kerry team, this in particular, this incarnation of Emin Fitzmaurice this season is utterly ruthless. The way he's cast aside players, uh, a man like uh, Kieran O'Leary, whose last action in Championship was to lift Sam Maguire to cut him from the panel. I think this 11-point loss to the Dubs has really like rankled with Emin Fitzmaurice, and there. And I think the motivation here obviously is not a monster title because they come by every second year in Kerry. I think genuinely when they're training down in Killarney or, or when they're getting prepared for these games, they literally have the image of Philly McMahon in their head or some other dub. that They're like, this is the carrot at the end of the tunnel. This is where we want to be going. Yeah. If we get beaten on Sunday, the chance of getting redemption this year might actually be gone out the window. We'll be on a different side of the draw, etc., etc. And I just think that is a huge motivating factor that they have this tangible thing. Kerry teams in the past 
the whole motivation was like, oh, we'll bring Sam home or whatever cliche. They actually have this physical thing that they can look at, and which is really, really getting their blood boiling. And I think they'll, I don't think they're going to sweep Tipperary aside by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think there's going to be any ounce of complacency about them, especially because there's people fighting for their places. I mean, Eamon Fitzmaurice told Mark O'Shea, Anthony Maher, David Moore to sit down before the last game. Like, they, they only got in off the bench. Uh, he had the likes of Jonathan Lyon on the bench, bringing in the likes of Tyg Morley. Uh, a lot of his has been written about him today, of course, the, yeah. the next Temple Nomad since the Spillans to play. He's brought in these young players who even Kerry folk wouldn't have expected to actually get a look in this season. And all reputation has just been cast aside in this camp. There isn't any complacency here. I don't know what Liam Kearns is talking about. Uh, and it's surely just a media tactic. It's surely just some sort of mind game to try and get in to the, to the heads to of Kerry. To get into the Kerry heads. Uh, <laughs> what, what sort of game oh, is Eamon Fitzmaurice playing though? Fair enough. I, I, can, I completely take your rootlessness on board. I, I, I agree with you. But this week he came out and said, Tipperary, I think they're actually better. And that's not just me saying it because they're playing in a monster final. That is you just saying it, Eamon. They've lost 10 players. Fair enough to come up against Cork and they pull that result out of the bag. And maybe we should have seen it coming because they've been building teams for the last couple of years. It hasn't just been one group of players. Mm. But Tipperary aren't better than they were last year. Are, are they? Like, I mean, look at the age profile of that team last year. Of, yeah, but still, Colin O'Reardon, Stephen O'Brien, quality footballers. Top quality footballers. Barry, Bro- Barry Grogan has been a, a, a main forward for years. Like they're 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 big losses, you know. They're huge losses, and and players have come through. And we saw Claude Mel get to the to the All Ireland semi finals last year, and a couple of players have come through on that as well. But they can't be better than they were last year. Well, it already equals their return for last year, getting to the last twelve. Well, but, I think you're saying on personnel wise, Tommy Tipperary yeah, can't be deemed to they, be a better. They're growing. Side than they're they were growing as a year. team, but but at the same time, the guys who they brought through from the under twenty ones that got to the All Ireland final last year, they're a year old. Yeah, yeah, and. They now have the confidence for the first time in living memory of beating a big side in Munster going into a Munster final mm. because that hasn't been the case as we can um, attest to for the last 20 years. They've always failed when it came to beating either Cork or Kerry on Aiden the big Walsh day. Walsh had those injury time points two years exactly. ago. Exactly. They had that they brilliant, killers and this they had is, brilliant start last now. year. I don't think it's enough for them to go down to Fitzgerald Stadium even if the game was in Temple Stadium I don't think Tipperary would have any chance of winning this but it's not really about them winning it clearly it would be an incredible defeat for them to win a Munster Championship be up there with any of the championships that any of the big teams have won over the last probably 100 years really Mm. but at the same time isn't more about them putting in a decent performance and keeping the momentum going their confidence going because finally it has to stop all this talk about what's been done at underage level in Tipperary they have to reach an All-Ireland quarter-final and I think they really they can because Munster final falls into the A side of the qualifier draw as well, which okay. means almost uh, a 50-50 chance for Tip to get through there. It, like, for example, if they come up against Sligo in a, a 4 a qualifier, yeah. they would win that game, you'd imagine. Um, like, it, it's interesting because the last time we did this podcast was right before that Tip Cork game, and now none of us expected that to happen. But we were talking about the likes of Michael Quinlevin and how he was going well in challenge games, particularly against the Dubs, and how if Cork didn't give that respect to Quinlevin by playing a sweeper in front of him, they'd get caught out. They didn't do that. They did get caught out. And it'll be interesting to see if Kerry actually give that respect now this year because the only sweeper they've really been playing in the league was Aidan O'Mahony, who I really think Eamon Fitzmaurice is pissed off with after getting sent off in that league final and almost single-handedly causing that trashing at the hands of Dublin, which, as I've mentioned, has really hurt them. Um... So if he doesn't come back into the panel, there's a chance Kerry won't play two men on Michael Quinlevin. You'll have Killian Young 
uh, playing his second ever game at fullback for Kerry, probably marking Quinlevin, uh, which is another interesting talking point if you get to it, that, that they are playing young in that position. I just think he's a man who can cause a lot of problems. But of course, the, the big Achilles heel is the runners that Tip can have. Um, like you might know more about this, is it's just like what can they offer from wing forward, wing back, the players who can slice through the the heart of Kerry, which is where they're most vulnerable. Well, it was it was Brian Fox um, who created. Well, he a did a lot goals. of running, and, and to be fair, they're they're elder they're, the elder statesmen in the team as well. Hannigan, Hannigan, Austin, Aitchison. I mean, these boys, these are the boys who've been on the go for over ten years, and they yeah. really delivered against Cork. Maybe the most impressive part of the Cork win was that they had the game in the bank and they had it stripped from them. And they still have the wherewithal again. to actually go and finish the job off again. Tipperary teams in the past just would have rolled over in the last five minutes and thought, here we go again, another one of those days where we should have beaten one of the big boys, but they've, re- they've reeled us back in and we're not going to get anything from it. To go then and kick the last two scores in the game, I think was hugely impressive. But I don't know what the, I don't know what the spread is, but I'm thinking you know, five to six, seven points. Kerry probably not getting out of third gear and maybe not looking like they're going to lose the game at any stage of the 70 minutes is how I would view it. Maybe, but I, I still think if, if you look at Dublin last weekend, there was no real reason for them to get out of third gear. Ugh, I think I think there's. Let's not talk about that. I, I know, but Soul crushing. it's just it's a good comparison to make because the one thing we've been saying about the top teams is just the strength and depth and stuff. I, I yeah. think there's a lot of comfort about these Dublin players. I don't think you get the same notion with these Kerry players. Like James O'Donoghue apparently is fit again for this weekend. We'll see the team come out tonight. Apparently yeah. there's other injury concerns, so he could come straight into the team. But as it stands, he's not getting in there because Stephen O'Brien had the game of his life against Clare and deserves to start again at corner forward. He's a man again who's going to be wanting to go again and wanting to cement that place down because of the players coming up behind him. And in terms of coming out of third gear, I think there'll be a lot of players in that carry team who'll be notching up to fourth, fifth. So you're saying it could be a proper beating? Not necessarily because I do really rate this tip team. I think they might actually have to really notch it up a few levels to get to that level of the spread as you mentioned. Well they need to get to Croke Park and I think that'll be the measure of this Tipperary team and if they yeah. do get there can they take on one of the provincial champions we'll see. So going for a handy enough Kerry win there then at 4 o'clock we've got Cavan Tyrone a lot of Tyrone people feel this isn't a game that should be taking place at all. It was the most un-Tyrone like manner in which they surrendered the three point lead in injury time against Cavan in the drawn game in Clonus. A ga- game in which Cavan were going so well and for, for so much of the game but I think an awful lot of inexperience showed and some players being played woefully out of position. Mm. And you would have thought that maybe Cavan have more room for improvement ahead of this replay. I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, I know Tyrone got more scores. I know Cavan got their goals at very beneficial times and the start of the game and the first half and the second half. A real element of fortune about two of them anyway. Absolutely. But Cavan just weren't economical with the ball they had. No. And, you know... They, well, they putting putting David right Givney well. in there on, on his own, own is like, baffling. And I spoke to Terry Hyland after the game and I said, why was he in there all isolated and, and exposed? And he said something along the lines of, well, you know, if you leave somebody in there on David's shoulder, well, then you're sacrificing an additional runner that can be used in defending the, what Tyrone can bring to the game. Well, but then, about, just don't put Givney in there at all. Sonny Johnson played in no man's land that whole because game. Yeah, Sean, he's 31 now. And he played he's no been man's land. playing inter-county football for 13 years. Yeah. He is not capable of playing in that centre-half forward position. He just hasn't got the legs, he hasn't got the physicality. Not at all. But what he does have is that poacher's nose for a, a goal and for a score. Looping and off the David Givney was wreaking havoc in there. Mm. The fact that he managed to pull two goals out of that game when he had probably one of his hands tied behind his back for the majority of the match. What would he have done if he'd had Sean Johnson just perched on his shoulder there saying, knock it down to me, David. Surely that will have to happen this Sunday. Or what about a Gerard McKiernan? 
how much wreck would, really, that, would that do if you had McKiernan and Givney in there on the edge of the Tyrone box? Uh, I don't Tyrone know. I think clearly have big problems with that high ball. They absolutely do. But and they, they haven't brought anybody in. I expect one of big man's to be, to be brought in. And to be honest, I still think there'd be a change or two in that Tyrone defence. But McKiernan wasn't in that game last week either at all. No, Johnson no. wasn't in that game at all. Like, yeah, they, Killian, they put Killian Clark up front. He's one of the best footballers and on the, in this Cavan team. Absolutely. It just didn't happen for him. He was taken off at 15 minutes left. He's one of the most talented footballers Cavan produced. Absolutely. He, he was part of all three of the four under 21 provincial championship winning sides. So you're thinking if they put Clark in the right position, if they move McKiernan maybe either to midfield or closer to goal, and they put at least one guy up alongside David Givney, clearly leaving yourself a little more open at the back, but you could easily rack up 215 and win the game. I think they could. The one thing about Tyrone though is that, that you can easily remedy this high ball problem that they're having but it's not the only problem they're having. Like Martin Riley uh, caused a lot did, of yeah. issues just by running at them. Uh, and like I've only seen him once or twice in the flesh. That guy is an absolute engine. He is so mm. underrated and his name never really comes up. Lovely left the, foot as well. Yeah, because he, he doesn't really appear in the highlight reels all that often. He is so important to this Cavan team. Mm. And like if Toronto are going to focus on this high ball, because that's obviously where a lot of the goals came from the last day. Um, well, certainly both of them came from the high but ball. The, condition had a lot, the conditions had a lot to do with the, the, the goals as well. Like, but... Yeah, you're right. Like Cavan do have a number, like Darren McFeedy as well. He's a similar enough yeah. player to to Marty Riley, and like Tyrone's strength in attack, like obviously they've got the sharpshooters inside, but Hart and Sloden and uh, Tiernan McCann coming from that half back line. But where where I've seen Cavan really good this year is turning teams over on their own half back line. Moina and McFeedy and Mackey and lads like that breaking from deep. And you're right. They did that a lot again in the drawing game, but they did, just did not use the ball. They weren't well economical. They were losing we'll possession. See, they have Michael the arguing on the bench as well. Didn't even get on at all no. in the drawn game. And we've seen what he can do under the high ball as well. It'll be really interesting to see, particularly if it's a drier day, mm. what Cavan can do against this Toronto team. I would still have Toronto's favourites because they were far better than Cavan in, in the first match. But are, are, I'll be honest, though, we, I, I'm tipping Cavan. I think Cavan can do it. The, I think Cavan can cash Tyrone out here. How, how big a dent did that put in this whole notion of Tyrone being one of the big five? Or the, the part that created uh, the Big Five? I don't know. It's Look, it was Toronto's, it's just Toronto's second game of the season. They were up against a woeful dairy side in the yeah. first game. And they've already, you know, top Division 2. They've beaten Cavan already in the league final at Crow Park. It is too early to say that Toronto are All-Ireland semi-finalists or All-Ireland final contenders. But, but we saw how much Toronto progressed last year throughout the year, coming through the qualifiers. They have a young team. They grew in confidence as the year went on. You wouldn't have tipped them as All-Ireland semi-finalists last year when they got knocked out in the Ulster Championship but they came through. I don't necessarily think, like the four other semi-finalists this weekend, I don't necessarily think there's that much between all, all four of them, but Tyrone and Donegal, are, uh, Tyrone and Monaghan are definitely up there in the top five. And Donegal in the country? Up. Definitely, yeah. Three of them. See, that, like, that, it'll, it'll be, it remains to be seen, but I think a, a, a defeat by Cavan this Sunday, this Tyrone team needs an Ulster Championship. There's only three of them in the squad that actually have an Ulster medal. Wow. And... You know, you've got the two Kavanaghs and That's you've incredible. got um, Maddie Donnelly? Ma- no, not Maddie. Peter Hart doesn't even have one. I can't remember who the third guy is, but they're... Justin these, these guys, Justin McMahon, obviously. These guys don't have this experience of lifting the anglo Cell Cup. And clearly Cavan don't either, given it's, what, now 19 years since they last did it. Yeah. But, um, so, you're you're tipping Cavan? I just think they can catch them out. What about you? Not Tyrone. I, yeah. Like I, I do agree. It has been going through my head that this Tyrone team perhaps have a lot more flaws than we initially thought. But I think there's a lot of merit in your point that they had beaten Cavan just a few weeks previously, and they're like, we're gonna probably. It's it doesn't matter. This is in Clonus. I think Cavan can do it.
Well, Tyrone were the better team in the first day. They kicked a lot of ball away. They those two frees that they should have kicked in injury time yeah. as well to win the game, and they didn't. And you think if they shore up the full back line in any way, they should have too much for Cavan. But it could be a brilliant game, and particularly if it's dry, there's going to be a massive crowd in Clonus on Sunday afternoon. What about Breffney Park the previous night? I have that game between Donegal and Monaghan last Saturday as far and away the best match you in the championship too, so far you? I was at it yeah. it was just a magical evening I watched it back last night and this morning and just like fair enough first half was 6-6 but the quality in that oh, game the intensity and the, the tempo Dunigal. and the concentration and the hits oh. physicality some of the scores that were taken the score that McManus took off the right oh my side God, is like that almost, is just Conor you almost have to press pause and go back again to see did it actually happen Yeah. if you haven't seen it watch it back it's just it's like it's just Conor McManus. That was his first score from play as well. Yeah. So his only score from play. It was, yeah. So, like certainly when you're looking at the game back, you're kind of looking at this guy and you're like, Donegal having the sauce, and then just like that, he comes out of nowhere yeah. with an unbelievable score. But like I, I saw, I saw McManus against Mayo this year in the league, and you know Monaghan tried their best to get the best out of him, and I just don't think they have enough. They're, they're getting better, but they haven't got enough forwards yet that are giving McManus enough help. McManus kicking eight points, seven and frees. That's not telling you that McManus isn't doing enough from play. McManus is back in defence, cutting cutting balls out. He's a playmaker. He's winning them frees. He popped and up he's, in the full back line a couple of times last weekend. And he's Look, stepping up in the final minutes and kicking those Monaghan frees. getting a draw with Donegal in the semi-final of the Ulster Championship with McManus scoring all those frees and only kicking one from play. That tells me that Monaghan have not progressed at all. That is Monaghan of 2015 and 2013. Or that they have they're room for extremely improvement. difficult to beat. But they haven't got anybody else that is... Well, there's only room for improvement on the fo- offensive front if you think that there's somebody in that Monaghan forward line that has the capacity and potential to break out and actually be a foil for Conor McManus. So if you do think that, who is it? That's not what I'm talking about. I think there's huge room for improvement in their back line. We talked about... Well, definitely defensively. Well, like, Owen Duffy kicked a couple of wides. Conor McCarthy kicked a couple of wides. Um, Shane Carey plays a more defensive role, as does Ryan McInespy. Kieran Hughes wasn't in that game enough. Well, they don't know, seem to know where to play Kieran Hughes. And Darren, Darren as well. Yeah, his Darren's brother, Darren starts with 14 in his back, plays out the field. Kieran the starts at 9 in his back and plays somewhere between midfield and the full forward line. I don't know. You Maybe you need to put Kieran and Conor McManus in there together and leave them in there and try and get them to work as a pair. It's very difficult to know, but... You just think that if Mossy Freeman and Conor McManus were born in the same era, oh, imagine. Yeah. what could Monaghan do when they get to Croke Park? It's true. I, I, I really expect Monaghan... Imagine having Tommy Freeman skinning a <laughs> cornerback and sticking a ball in the top corner and giving that little fist bump to the boys. Oh. They're probably going to pack their own square to side Monaghan just because of those three times Donegal sliced through them. Like, you obviously uh, had Oron McNeilish. Owen McHugh that, you, was tasty. Owen McHugh, you had that the young fullback with his chance Kieran as well. Gillespie. Uh, Kieran Gillespie. He was a great footballer. Mm. Uh, like, you had those three huge chances where Donegal just got right behind that full-back line, which is actually quite an easy problem to remedy. And you'd imagine... Yeah, well, you know that the vast majority of the video uh, r- reviews will have been spent looking at how Donegal just c- continually open. sliced mm. them open. And Monaghan themselves got in behind Donegal a couple of times. It was such a tight first half. And within five minutes of the second half, both full-back lines had been cut to shreds. It was really odd how mm. it happened. Mm. Um, now, the, the Aura McNeilish goal shouldn't have been allowed to stand. There was a clear block off. That was Gillespie, wasn't it? Uh, by Gillespie. It should have been a free out. But look, if you get away with it, you're Absolutely. thinking that's done purposely and maybe done on the training ground you have to hand it to a manager that comes up with that kind of stuff so the question is who's going to win the replay I backed the draw well I didn't back it I talked a good game told <laughs> people to back the draw last Saturday and I think this is going to extra time I just don't Do see who where the edge is here I don't see who the better side is 
I think Monaghan are going to do it in normal time. I, I just, I think Conor McManus is, is the biggest clutch player, if you can use that phrase, on on this island right now. He's just superb. And in, in saying that he missed a couple of handy frees in, in terms of Conor McManus, uh, and his abilities from place balls last Saturday. But those frees in the last couple of minutes, like those pressure frees. Oh, they were they when, were, the, when the pressure was really on. But That's the thing. But Murphy missed frees too. That, and McBrearty and Fagan, four of the best free takers in the country, and they were all off their game last Saturday. That, that McManus, he, he really steps up his game when the pressure cooker is on. So if you get a tight game early on, and after the replay the last day, the two teams will be thinking, right, we're in for a cracker here. We could be going all the way to extra time. I think McManus is just going to step it up and get him. He needs to get himself into that zone where he's putting himself under pressure to bring the best out of himself. And also those defensive frailties that I mentioned about Monaghan, I think they're actually quite easily rectifiable. I think it's just about dropping a sweeper even deeper back behind the full back line. Uh, and you've got a lot of that solved straight away. And I think they're just going to limit Donegal's goal scoring threat. And by virtue of that, Monaghan could score the same as last week and win the game. Yeah, well, Brendan Benny was talking to me before the game last Saturday. He said if Donegal, Donegal don't get a goal or two, they won't win the game. And, and they did get the goal. Mm. Look, it remains to be seen. I think it's just going to be equally tight. I, I think it's going to extra time, maybe even a second replay. Who knows? That would certainly uh, wreck the heads of the Ulster Cats. <laughs> They've already got their hands full. So that's the football so for this hard. weekend. You're listening to the Off the Ball foot, Friday Football or GA podcast with thanks to Borgosh Energy, our GA sponsors, and of course they're also pride sponsors of the All Ireland Under 21 Hurling Championship. Onto the hurling we go. Our live game is tomorrow afternoon at Wexford Park, Offley against Wexford. Richie Power making his co-commentary debut on Off the Ball mm. alongside Owen Kelly and myself, hopefully down in the sunny southeast. This one is intriguing in one way for me because Offaly have already played more hurling this summer than they have in the previous five years. Wow. And they've come back from their opening day defeat to Westmead and they've beaten Carlo, they've beaten West, they've beaten Kerry, they've beaten Leash and they have at least showed that they can hurt a team like Donegal, although inevitable, it was inevitable how Donegal, or Galway rather, pulled away in the last quarter. Wexford have played once and they've been pathetically bad in that one game, albeit missing a whole host of regulars. I just wonder, can Offaly go down there and having already reached the Leinster semi-final, being boosted by what's going on in the Under-21 Championship yeah. and go down and actually upset Wexford? I know that's the longest-winded question of all time. I'm actually really glad he brought this up because I think this round-robin system is just fantastic because very rarely do you have uh, like a great story of narrative that involves redemption within one championship <laughs> year. And Offaly managed to do that by virtue of the fact that they had loads of games to play. And you see that in the Premier League all the time. You rarely get it in the Championship because two games and you're out. Um, awfully, I love that story. The fact that they've come back, that they've got such a proud tradition that their own county men have absolutely slated themselves. And now they're within one game of like where their expectations at least would have been uh, at the start of the year. I think they're probably a better side than Wexford at the moment. They've been dour. Like I, I saw them early on in the calendar year uh, when they were playing down in Kerry. And I looked at them and I, and I was thinking, wow, these Wexford hurlers are going to have a great year ahead of them. They look so athletic. They look so powerful. Unfortunately, that just said a lot more about Kerry than it really did say about <laughs> Wexford. Um, but no, I, I just think the way Offaly have come back from that opening defeat, probably their, their worst championship defeat in decades uh, against Westmeath and... Like the way that I, I just love this Offaly story. It's as simple as that. I know that it's, it's a lot of tokenism going on there, um, but a victory against Wexford would kind of cap off like a great journey that we rarely see in Championship. Yeah, it would be a decent summer for them. Shane Dooley's obviously their main guy. He only he was restricted to three points in the opening game against Westmead, but since then he's got one ten, one ten, one thirteen, and wow. one five, and. He's on fire, particularly from the place balls, and that that's what he's been doing for a long time, but he seems to be contributing a bit more from play. They're getting an awful lot out of Joe Bergen as well. Mm. They're missing Colin Egan tomorrow. He's suspended, and he, that's their captain out of the side as well, but 
it's just we haven't seen the Wexford team yet and whether they get Lee Chin back which obviously would be a massive yeah. boost for them whether they can get the best out of Conor McDonald who was completely isolated against Dublin and it was a wretched night as well in the rain you wonder but there won't be the kind of atmosphere at Wexford Park that we've seen when Kilkenny visited no. the place or Dublin over the last five years there won't be that many there I think I think Offaly are ripe there to, to go down and take Wexford out of the championship I think it says it all if you look at what did he mention in Shane Dooley's first performance? One ten he scored in three points against Westmead, but he's hit the sorry one ten in the following. He's hit game. the scoring chart since then. Yeah, like if he puts up one ten tomorrow and Wexford put up as much as they did against Dublin, then uh, well, he'd he win the game right? on his own. Yeah, so that's live at half three on tomorrow or off the ball. Clare are playing Leash tomorrow. <clears throat> it's in Cusick Park. Mm. It's only going one way, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. Like I, I think Clare would just. I think they got their tactics totally wrong against Waterford in that Munster semi-final um, all over the place. I think that short puck-out strategy and then taking the corner back and then launching it long to the full forward line just doesn't work for them. No. Um, I, I think that the fact that they've got the motivation of 2013, that they can point to something and say, right, we've put this qualifier run together before, we'll get, give them a lot of belief. But it's just the fact that they were so... Like, I don't want to use this word, but they were quite wretched against uh, Waterford in that game. At the end of the day, they could have won. They were flat, I think, more they, than... They were flat. Like, they were flat. Waterford were obviously the hungrier, hungrier team, but I think it, this really gives Clare the chance to experiment with a few new things. How are they going to operate with those puckouts? is one really big question. I think the qualifiers suit Clare. It does. Obviously, they've had an awful time in Munster over the last, whatever, 20 years or so, but I think the qualifiers do suit Clare. Yeah, 18 years without a Munster title... I think it should be a handy enough victory. I would hope they dispense with that short game, particularly from their own puck outs in, in and around their full back line because they've got the firepower to just take Leash apart. And while Leash have had a couple of big scalps over the last three years under Cheddar, you can't see it happening tomorrow. It's a one win this calendar year. Yeah, it's mm. been a rough it's been a rough it time for them. The big game of the weekend is Cork Dublin. One of these sides are going to be gone by the second of July. The sooner the better. The sooner the better. For They're, both. For well, for <laughs> both, but like Dublin obviously there's a little bit more form there, a little bit more confidence, but Cork, my God, they've been awful. It's been well, this would be the worst championship in the qualifier era for Cork. Well, it should be the worst league as well. Victory here on tomorrow evening. It's in Parky Rin. It's going to be packed because it's a brilliant atmospheric ground. Even during the league, it would be if Dublin and Cork went to many each other down in February or March. You'd hope that the Dubs will take some fans with them. I was impressed with Dublin in the first half against Kilkenny yeah. because they stuck with them well. They were very economical with their play. They didn't actually make too many mistakes, but then... How could they fall away so easily? Well, it's just a half? question of... Dublin would see themselves in the same league as Kilkenny but they're not really and as no. soon as Kilkenny put the foot down they just blew Dublin out of the water and they were not a factor from pretty much the 38th minute onwards when Kilkenny got the first three scores of the second half and the game was over before the 40 minute mark they barely got the hand and that's just it. where Dublin hurling is at the moment they aren't in the same league as Kilkenny as they were three years ago and they went down to Tullamore and beat them after a replay but they should be in the same league as Cork and I do think that this Dublin team is capable of getting to that weekend in, in, in Semple Stadium and All-Ireland quarterfinals weekend I really sincerely hope for Cork's sake that since that Tipperary game someone has gone to the management and explained to them what a sweeper is yeah. and what his role is and how when you've got the best player on the pitch with the ball in his hand and he's left in a one-on-one situa- situation it's up to the sweeper to go and close that man down. Uh, as long as they've explained that and they're going to cut down a few uh, points. That was shocking. That day. But like, would any of us be surprised if Cork are crashing out and they're, they're, as you say their worst ever performance I think they're going to limp of the, of the, I think they're going to limp I think Dublin are going to beat them this weekend but the same token would you be surprised if they turned in the swashbuckling performance and decided Get to dispense with the sweeper and uh, decided well we're Cork we're always better than Dublin and we are going to just go on a man with them and we're going to beat them by 7 or 8 points well the attitude of we are Cork and we're always better than Dublin could also be their downfall um, 
considering that they're not better than Dublin at this particular like moment. Dennis, Dennis Walsh was on thir- was it Thursday night on off the ball and he was on about obviously can't read too much into it but Cork bought Waterford in a, in a challenge match recently enough and William Egan played in midfield he didn't play that sweeper role he had four points from midfield I'd say Cork are better off doing that instead of like wasting Egan blocking the goals like they did against against Cannon and Tip but Cork's only chance here the only game they've won this year that's mattered was against Galway and they got two late goals in the relegation playoff and fair play to them they pulled it out of the bag that day and the only way they're going to get a chance against Dublin is goals because yeah. Horgan and Harnady and Lee Hanlon as they are quality hurlers they can do damage to any team in the country and if they use them well if they get used out of them they can do damage but I just see Dublin I just see Dublin coming through this one Like the, if you look at it on paper Cork's six forwards are far superior to Dublin's is purely, that, is that, is purely, that purely on paper because you have you know the likes of Seamus Harnady and you have the likes of uh, and, Pat and Horgan and you've got um, Cadigan there but they're not playing on paper and they're not playing well as a unit. They're not getting enough scores. They're quite lightweight. Yeah. When they don't have Pat Cronin there to throw his weight around and Pat Cronin's best days are behind him, it is difficult to see where they're going to rack up a score big enough. But at the same time, Dublin's attack is pretty weak. Mm. And their best players, their biggest players, the likes of uh, Liam Rush, for example, completely anonymous not in the playing. second half against Kilkenny. I don't think he caught a single ball. No. And if he doesn't dominate that uh, 45 40 area Dublin struggled to win most games David Tracy was absolutely spot on from the place balls against Kilkenny if he is on a, has a good day well then they've got a very Neither. good chance yeah. I think this is 50-50 I really yeah, you think that winner. Well, it's, you, Dublin are going down there yeah and Denham Park you're in Cork even when things are going terribly I mean the game against Kilkenny that they they were beaten in it earlier in the league. Which they should have won. Which they should have won. At times that night, they were absolutely magnificent. So they are capable of it. Under the lights, Parkman, I think they have a big chance. What's the issue? Yeah. Is, it, is it the system they try to implement this year against Tip? Is, well, look, it's is... new management. It's the fact that that night against Kilkenny, they didn't have a single debutant. Okay. And so given a Cork team that was cleaned out in the championship last year, yeah. and they're talking about constantly how they need to bring new blood in and new faces in, well, they're scouring the county, obviously, and they're finding nothing. That's mm. a big worry for Cork. But, and the fact that they were given a hide and then the other night as well by Limerick won't have helped. I know they came back with a couple of late goals, but that put a real uh, gloss on the scoreline mm. for them. It's not happening at on 21 level. But they have enough good players on that team to beat Dublin tomorrow night. If Dublin play well, I think they can do it. But I would find, I'd sit on the fence on this one and find it difficult to pick a winner. I think the Parky Rin thing is just a huge factor. Like as you say, it's just such an atmospheric ground. What's the what's the capacity in comparison to Parky Cueve? It's oh, it's like a quarter. Of yeah, a quarter. Really, yeah. And I think that that's a, a massive thing for Cork as well. That it's just it'll be roared on tomorrow. It'll be very interesting. One more game before we wrap things up. It's the Leinster hurling final. It's at Croke Park. Too, by the way, oh Westmead Limerick. Yeah. Okay, well let's get that one out just of the way. Quickly, no what? offense to Westmead or Limerick, but um, like, Westmead. It was only a few weeks ago that we had uh, Ryan on. Um, and off the ball yeah. and we were talking about how much progress they were making and wow what could Messweed have possibly achieved this summer it hasn't really kicked on since no. then but you don't know what Limerick either do you? You don't know like that camp does not seem like a happy camp they were clueless against Tipperary hapless didn't know what to do when they had fi- when Tip had 15 didn't know what to do when Tip had 14 To be if, fair they're not the first team that have struggled to utilise the extra man when the opposition have had a man sent off But if Bubbles hadn't been sent off how bad could that have been? That would have been a mauling and Tip were only in, in third gear I'd say so you think this could be an upset? No, I don't. I think I think Limerick will. I think Limerick will beat them. But you wouldn't be backing Limerick to do any damage later in the summer. It just it just feels like they're they're lost at the moment. Like they didn't know where to play Keane Lynch the last day. 
fair enough they're trying new things they had debutants and maybe against Tipperary starting five debutants playing Lynch in a different role isn't, isn't the way I go about uh, about trying it it's a chance for Limerick to get back in the road Absolutely. Anyway, and maybe just I get think themselves into the championship they're, 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 like they bet Westmead well last year Westmead have progressed I don't think they've progressed enough it, it's in Cusick Park I think it's in Cusick Park so um, Croke Park Sunday yeah well it's obviously the big one I, the one thing I've been reading all week, and I'm sure you've been reading it as well, is everybody's got this obsession, and I know they've probably been doing the same roundtable interviews with him, but TJ Reid and his bulking up uh, yeah. story, it, it has been the story of the week. Uh, and you mentioned the likes of this kind of small and slender Cork team. Well, Kilkenny have obviously turned that on its head, and TJ Reid talks about 2012 and thir- 2013, putting in poor performances, getting dropped, and... Apparently his solution is just bulking up. So any young hurlers out there, if you want to get good at hurling, just hit the gym. Yeah, but you kind of have to have this magical talent in your wrist He's as well, don't you? <laughs> that is TJ Reid, after all. He's probably in the top five hurlers we've seen over the last 15 years. It's very difficult to see where Galway are going to win this game. Yeah, like uh, I, the other thing I, uh, I've mentioned TJ Reid, the other thing I have an obsession with this week is Kilkenny and talking about 2012. Like, how does the team manage to continue to garner motivation that final. out of a result that happened four years ago? But no, it wasn't. It was just. It was just the Leinster final. Like they came back and bet them in the All Ireland final that uh, year. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, fair enough. If Galway had beaten them in the All Ireland final, you can say, okay, we've scars from from that 2012. We we left it behind us. But Kilkenny came back, drew with them, and actually broke Galway's hearts. Broke the spirit of that team. And even coming up to the All-Ireland final last year, people were talking about that result in 2012. That must have been the most painful evening ever down at Kilkenny. It's more of a Galway thing in general though, isn't it? Yeah. Because they still have deep scars from the 2005 All-Ireland semi-final as well yes. when they were beaten yeah. in that game. They've got scars from the 2001 All-Ireland semi-final when they were beaten in that game. And everybody always holds scars. Galway up at the one team that can get inside the heads of Kilkenny. Yeah. And they managed to do it to a, a decent they extent in the 2012 final and in the 20. 20- 16 final 2015 final but I don't know are they going to do it this Sunday mm. I haven't seen anything new from Galway this year I wish there's a bit of pressure on them in the manner in which they got rid of their management team last year but the biggest thing for Kilkenny is they are what they have what whatever they have Richie Hogan and Jackie Terrell are the only two guys that have, they have to come back into the team albeit two huge names there's mm. nothing in reserve for Kilkenny they were desperate to find a new forward given that they lost James Marr and they lost Jerry Elwood to those injuries that have ruled them out of the championship. And lo and behold, there they are. John Joe Farrell pops up at the age of 27 on his championship debut. How do they do this every year? Whether it's John Power, John Joe Farrell, um, Walter Welsh, and there's somebody in TJ there who missed out. debut in the like, final as well. These the guys just come from nowhere and Bolters. turn out these incredible performances. If John Joe Farrell can do it again, well, they do have their go-to guy in the forward line. Owen Larkin was... Virtually anonymous, having played very little hurling he since coming back. back from uh, he was only back, on, yeah. been on duty with the defence forces. So you'll imagine mm-hmm. that game with Dublin will have brought him on hugely. Yeah. Michael Fenley looks fit and able to dominate a game like we know he can do, despite the fact he barely trains. If we're to believe what comes out of the Kilkenny camp, and they are absolutely dominant in the half back line again. It's so hard to put together a scenario where Galway win this match. It, it is. Very, it's, it it's is about, like you, you can say what you want about Galway and any damage they can do around the full forward line. But ultimately, Kilkenny are just streets ahead of them. And I just think the Farrell thing has been astonishing. It really has been. How did they manage to keep doing this? Well, we'll see, I think. I think we, we well, set up not, wait and yeah, see. We can't it, hang it up all in the second of half course. against Dublin. But at the same time, he was electric that night. He was, that yeah. but, but it says a lot when the usual story with Kilkenny is that it doesn't matter what they're doing at underage level. There'll always be one gem that comes true. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, a fella who 
a lot of us have never heard of before I know. that we don't remember from underage level just pops up with a performance like that and granted of course this is the big test for him if he does it on Sunday then it really will be the story that well, I don't have the stats to hand but he must be the eldest debutant in the Kenny team in 15 years <sighs> at least how many other 27 year olds have made their first championship appearance Court, was there not, oh I'm thinking of there was a cornerback who started the all in final in the last two years it was 29 Right, Maybe well, I stand to be correct. On I don't that. know. I don't know. But it's certainly a, a rarity when it comes to Kilkenny because they blood these guys and bring them on for little bits, five minutes here, ten minutes there, as they did TJ Reid, for example. They just seem Richie to keep Hogan, them. But they manage to keep them interested on the panel when they're not starting. The key, I think, will be later in the summer when Kilkenny are in a dogfight. For example, say like they were against Limerick in the rain two years yeah. ago. Mm. If they look to their bench, I don't see what Brian Cody has there. Richie Power came off the bench that day, didn't he? he made a massive difference. Got the goal. Henry Sheffield came off the bench Henry as well that day. So I don't know if they have that in reserve, but I think they'll have enough to be going, advance to another all Ireland semi-final and look, they're they're almost there again. I'm already looking forward to Kilkenny Clare in the all Ireland semi-final. <laughs> That's a bold prediction. They have to get they have to get through this weekend, both of them first. It's a pity I don't believe in Galway this weekend. I'd love to believe in them, but... You know, the two big questions about Galway, that's first, you never know which Galway you're going to turn <laughs> on. And secondly, where do you play Joe Canning? <laughs> Let's not get into that. That's a wrap, I think. Tommy, Owen, it's been brilliant. We'll be back with you next Friday. Our thanks again to Borgosh Energy and we will speak to you over the weekend. We're back from one o'clock tomorrow. We've got Wexford awfully live with a 3.30 throw on chairs in the presenter's chair. And then Saturday, Sunday afternoon, Joe's back and we have two huge games in the Football Champions. The Munster Final at two and Cav and Tyrone, the Ulster semi-final replay at four. We'll chat to you then. The Friday GAA Podcast with thanks to GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide. A goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath. Surely give it in, Conor. Oh, what a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 metre line. Team Mackey still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. Been a look, Donovan. That's a wild effort on goal. It's on the coppers! Sound a little something, but damn the game. If it don't mean nothing, what is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she's got game, we got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something.